You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field, it is gone! It went! Deep right! Batista's gonna win goodbye! Start the fireworks show! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 118. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll look at the Indians' week of games, we'll look at Shane Bieber's adjustments, Mike Clevenger, he's injured, he might be back a little early, Roberto Perez is patient at the plate, and we interview Taiki Green, co-founder, producer, and director of Momentum, a player-led media outlet that they're using to get the word out about players from the player's perspective. Um, joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? Oh, I'm just great. How are you, Matt? I'm doing good. It's it's good. It was a weird, a little weird week of games. It was kind of an odd one, yeah. Yeah, it was. It felt really good to beat the Astros twice, and then it felt really bad the way we lost to them. But it also felt like they were almost better in the losses. I don't know. This Indians team is weird. We were talking about right before the show that maybe last year just broke us because <laughs> we should be really sad about the offense right now. But I'm not terribly broken up about the team, and it's weird. No, I mean I, you're right. The offense is obviously old trash, but. Uh... That that was a really great series of baseball in Houston. Quite honestly, I I didn't watch the uh, Sunday night game. I was busy, you know, doing other fun, more fun things because I'm cool. But uh, no, I it, all four games were played really well, close to you know, just exciting games from end to end. I mean, at the end of the day, we're doing this for entertainment purposes, and I think all four of those games were very entertaining, well pitched. Uh, the first two were exciting because. Well, I don't know. They um, were tied. You know, the Indians got ahead and tied it up, and then got ahead again in the on the game on Thursday, and then on what was it, the Friday game, the one that they won six to three. That one was again. You know, they pulled ahead in the seventh, and then they locked it up in the ninth. And uh, again, well pitched game by who pitched that one? Kluber looked fine, which was a bit of a kind of a weight a off the shoulders a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe not yeah. fine's a bit bold, but he looked okay. I mean, we, we saw Nick Whitgren come out and kind of debut this week too, and there were hints of Jose Ramirez maybe turning it around. Oh, yeah, and then obviously Francisco Lindor came back, and that's pretty cool to have him back around and play, and I think more importantly, playing well. I think that's why even though they lost the second two games and they dropped a game to the Marlins earlier in the week, it's hard to really be that upset. I mean... They're not in first place, but, you know, they're like, what, a game out or two games out or whatever. And and who, you know, who watches the, the record this time of year anyway. So there's way more of this team, I think, that I'm excited about and hopeful for than I am worried about. So I think that's the positive to, to the whole thing. I guess, yeah, that's true. I think Lindor's definitely back, which is good. And he's also not, he's still going to get way better, I think. I don't think yeah. he's drawn a single walk and he's, no. he's struck out a lot, but. I mean, he hit one home run that he went down to a neon, which was very awesome. That was like an Adrian Beltre-esque home run that he hit in Houston. That was cool to see. But you glazed over the most important fact about Francisco Lindor. Why is that man wearing a turtleneck, Merritt? I, I didn't even notice it, know. but I just, what what am style? Who knows, man? I don't know. He's he's such, the thing is, there's, there comes a point when you're charismatic handsome and kind of a, a glowing center of attention and all this stuff like he is i can relate just, to know, all that yeah you know a, a beam of sunlight in an otherwise drab dreary day that you can just wear whatever the hell you want and you know you can dye your hair silver you can have blue tips for some reason <laughs> you can do all the things that francisco lindor does and you just nod and go, cool, man. Very cool. You're looking cool out there. You're doing cool stuff. Very cool. So, <laughs> you can put that silver hair into cornrows, and it still looks cool because you're Francisco Lindor. You know, man, I don't know. It's just, 
he's able to do whatever he wants because he can do whatever he wants. Basically, is what it is. He's just he's so good and fun and cool. That's just this is just what stars do, I guess. And I'd be hard pressed to think of the Indians having a star of this level in a long time. I mean, it's not to say he's the best player they've had in a long time. He is one of at least position player wise, but. In terms of actual star power, I mean, you'd have to go back to sometime probably in the 90s. And even then, I don't think they had quite a, a face of baseball type of player. That was just a popular team of players, really. Right, exactly. I mean, Jim Tomey was never the face of baseball. He's just a big, you know, just a big dude from the, from the Midwest. Uh, Manny was... Who also just, wears turtlenecks. We need to who get also that wears turtlenecks. There. Manny also wore turtlenecks, at least for the, with the Red Sox sometimes. I would say that if anyone was Roberto Alomar was the closest to a face of baseball type that they ever had on their team in the 90s. And since then, I mean... I mean, Kenny Lofton has got to be pretty far Lofton up there, right? is up there, certainly. He just never had quite the star power. Uh, we talked about it before the show started, but Sizemore was on that kind of trajectory before things went awry. So I think it's just, you know, stars are crazy. You know, we, we, we often remark about the weird things that, that Hollywood people do say and wear. Just because you play baseball doesn't mean you can't be Hollywood. And I think Francisco Lindor is the closest thing to Hollywood that you can get when it comes to baseball players. So you wrote earlier this week about Shane Bieber. Um, this was last that... week, actually, Matt. I uh, got a grip on time. Come on. No. Was it? Yeah, no, that yes. was this week. Uh, it was last week, but yeah, whatever. It was within the past week. The last right, the last days. podcast week. Yes, Mary, oh, that's also right. known as this week. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the podcast... Anyway, <laughs> we're wrapped up in something here. Uh, go on. You wrote about um, that, that the Braves, they, they hit him really well, which is almost the first time he's been hit well, and he, you kind of notice there's a gap in where he was throwing pitches, and it seemed like mm. the Braves were kind of locked onto that, and then... Mm. Then he shut down the Astros, and that that he clearly adjusted to that. So, so I want to just talk about how Shane Bieber he faced his real test, his first. I, I guess we could probably call it, it was like his first real test in the majors, his first bit of adversity, and he came out on the other side of it looking really good again. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here. I, I honestly, I don't think he really adjusted back or anything like that. Especially, I think that the hole is still there when it comes to how Shane Bieber pitches. It's just if you look at how, and I talked about this in the article I wrote. If you look at how he pitched that game, he just wasn't very good. Also, he was not as sharp as he normally is. Nothing Shane Bieber throws is quite elite. I don't think um, the combination. He, he's you know he is more than the sum of his own parts. I guess. It's just his inability to avoid, I think, the center of the zone was really what kind of got to him against the um, against the uh, Braves. And he was able to, to at least navigate his way around some some stuff. Well, and he kind of swung the opposite direction against the Astros almost. He started walking more. I don't know if, if that's like a, a conscious thing to, to play around the edges more than he was before. But, but it seems like it's not all quite as much pounding the zone now, whether it's intentional or not, the last couple starts. Well, and I think that, I think that could be in a sense, an adjustment too. He's now known as someone who can pound the zone and he really does a good job of doing what, like what say a Greg Maddox did back in the day where throughout a game, he expands the zone a little bit, bit, bit by bit by working it wider and wider against the Astros. I think he did a great job of doing that because he was getting some pitches, just not in the zone called strikes. Um, he was also pitching inside more, which was important because that was what I talked about in my article. He really works that one kind of, that one kind of vertical 
constantly. And it works because he has a slider with enough movement to keep people off, a solid curveball, and then a fastball that he can just spot on the outside. But if you cut the plate in half, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're going to see two-thirds of his, of his pitches, and eventually that's going to go bad for him, especially if he misses the spot. If you look at his pitch kind of chart against the Astros, there's much more on the inside. And that's, I mean, that's a combination of obviously pitching inside to righties, pitching away to lefties, that whole, you know, the, just the whole combo platter. And he, and he, he definitely pounded that, that kind of lower left-hand quarter a bit more if you're sitting behind the plate, that quarter, I mean, which is the kind of his no-go zone thus far this year. And that's really what, what he's been needing to do. And, and that's just what growth looks like. I, he still needs I think Rick Manning actually was talking about it during the game. We, we heard a lot about his changeup and his growth and his use of it more. He just needs to throw it more. I mean, knowing that he's still only 24 years old, I'm it's you know I'm not going to sit here and you know break my brain worrying or anything like that. I mean, when when Trevor Bauer was 24 years old, he posted a um, 4.55 ERA in 176 innings and walked 79. You know, he led the American League in walks. So Shane Bieber now is better than Trevor Bauer was then. Whether he can have the same kind of growth arc is another thing altogether, but. To say that he doesn't have the tools to do it is silly because he does. He's right. shown at least at times to have some very, very good pitching. And I know, you know, if you follow, you know, various Twitter accounts on on Twitter, uh, like that, that hype. Is that where you know, follow him? That's where you follow him. <laughs> I, I mean, you tweet deck, I guess, is a good place. But uh, no, and velocity obviously is vital. And it's not that he doesn't have velocity. He just has, you know, solid average velocity, maybe slightly above average. We've sort of talked about the possibility of, of Corey Kluber not being the best one, two, maybe even three pitcher. And now with Trevor Bauer still being Trevor Bauer and Carlos Carrasco looking healthy, is it now Bauer, Carrasco, Bieber, Kluber? Like is no, I mean that's that, that, that is. I mean, as a man who loves to overreact to anything, <laughs> um, just look at anything I've written the last couple of days. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, Corey Kluber's always been kind of shitty in April. I mean, you look back to his his best years, and he was me- merely mediocre at best in April. Like, 2014, he was really not very good at all in April. And then 2017, again, just middle of the road. I think if he's sporting a four-plus ERA in mid-June, I'm going to be a little bit worried. But even then, he's always kind of turned on in the second half. So I mean, I'm not even saying I'm worried. I'm saying the other ones are, are super good. And Trevor or Corey Kluber is just kind of fine now, which is like still like a sub-four ERA. And, and maybe you're right. But it's still, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is it's still too early to say he's striking out he's walking a lot of people and that is troubling i think if he buttons that down a little bit he's going to be back to the the kluber that we've we know and love i know he hasn't been sharp i don't know it's it's been it's been a weird year for him so far he's just hit, he's been a little bit unlucky and i think just maybe seeing some weird zones from time to time so i don't know end of may we'll talk about it again but i i still put him in the top two or three shane bieber has been very good i'm not gonna i'm not gonna crown him quite yet even though it's it's quite it's it's encouraging to see a second year pitcher be this good this quickly, right? This good again being a you know three sixty eight ERA at three ninety two fielding independent pitching and then yeah it's cool to yeah. see it's just let's, <laughs> let's let's see it keep on happening you know I mean if, again right. if you're twenty four throwing like this then you're you're pitching like I don't know Clayton Kershaw or something like that basically yeah and that's the right approach to not like evaluate after a month and overreact and get too much into what we're seeing so so anyway let's look at the indians moves this offseason and evaluate them after a month yep let's do okay, that go on. yeah let's do that yeah sure <laughs> yeah i mean the indians they did a couple moves we can look at them stupid early right i don't mind 
Uh, do you have a list of these moves? I do not have one in front of me. Yeah, I got a couple of them. Let's talk I mean, about first... Nick Whitgren. Okay, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> I mean, Very that's. Good. I mean, if we're gonna power rank these things, which wasn't my goal, but if we did, he's got to be up there, right, with the moves they made. Considering he's been excellent. It's you know, it's yeah. what it's nine and a third innings, but that's a total of how many batters faced. You know, that's thirty four batters faced. He struck out thirteen of them, like a 30, 30 plus strikeout strikeout rate is pretty much what you want to see uh, out of a reliever. So that's encouraging to say the least. Yeah, and even like last week, Eli Sussman said that it was it was it was weird from the perspective of the Marlins that it happened that the Indians clearly bought low on somebody, which was mm-hmm. good. Yeah, or it didn't even buy low really; it was just mishandled by the Marlins and Indians yeah. took advantage, which is. I mean, it's the moves you got to make to you know. It's better be lucky than good sometimes, and this is one of them lucky moves, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I think so can, far we're, he, we're good on that one. If you can take innings away from Neil Ramirez and Dan Otero, I'm all for it. So yeah. And I think another reliever um, is is back in February. They signed Tyler Clippard. We don't know how that one's going to pan out yet. He did get promoted. I don't think he's pitched in the majors yet. Ending uh, in a third, uh, get, struck out two, no hits. He's basically God. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about him. I think that one could pan out. I mean, obviously, it's too soon. but um, I mean, I, if he can take, the, take over the role of Dan Otero, I'm happy, basically. You know, like, I don't want I, – I, I think my, my hope is that Adam Simber buckles down and the big three, as it were, becomes Hand, Whitgren, and Simber. I think in a perfect world, that's it. And then you have Olsen and Perez as loogie guys. Perez being able to go a little bit further than that. But we'll see. He's 30 to 7 years old at this point. So Yeah, and then if we're if we're irresponsibly power ranking moves after a month, I think I'd also maybe put the Jan Gomes trade. I can't decide if it's going to be ahead of Nick Whitgren or right behind him, but I'm still a very much a fan of that. They've got their their sixth maybe even seventh starter that's that stepped in for a couple starts roberto perez is is fine he's been really good behind the plate and he's he's been patient at the plate and then young gomes hasn't been that great offensively so he's yeah young gomes has been exactly what young gomes has been the last couple years so i mean it's not we're gonna sit here and break our hearts over the fact that he's gone that said i mean roberto perez has been well you know pretty bad as well offensively so i mean every catcher is bad so like comparatively to other catchers i don't think he's that terrible offensively is he well, I don't have I mean, a list every catcher here of just got bad awful. catchers or nothing like that. I mean, yeah, you're pretty much right. We're, we're early on, but Perez has just been his usual kind of shitty offensive player, <laughs> but he's just so good, you know, <laughs> defensively. That you're like, ah, yeah, I, I, I go over this. Yeah, and he's also, I mean, one of the things he wanted talked about earlier in the the year was being more patient when he's ahead in the count. He's trying not to swing for the fences every time he's in. Now that he's a starter, he has more opportunities, so he's taking that as a chance to to kind of slow down. He doesn't have a single chase, not swinging anything out of the zone. When he's been ahead in the count. So, so far, I mean, it's a really, really small sample size. But he's so far lived up to it that he's trying to to calm down when he has a chance to either walk or just not swing wildly and try to hit a home run every time. Because, Roberto, I love you, but you're not going to hit that many home runs anyway. <laughs> it's I mean, not really what you do. I wrote about this with Jan Gomes last year, how he just totally sold out for power. And I was totally fine with that. Because I think that if you have a guy batting 8th or ninth in the lineup who can just... And we saw this on Sunday with... Um, Robinson Chirinos, when he when he hit the back-breaking home run off of uh, Carlos Carrasco, having a guy who could just do that is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, just if you if you if you mess up by accident, he can unload on one every now and again. I mean, it won the Indians a World Series game two, a couple years ago. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of if you can't have superstars, have flawed guys with with one thing they can do. 
do it amazingly. You know, that, that was always my, why I was a proponent for keeping Russell Davis around. Why I was a proponent of keeping uh, Yandy Diaz over Eric Gonzalez last year. You know, I mean, might as well have superlatives if you can't have stars, I guess. So yeah, Perez swing for the to... fences, trying to hit bombs. I'm, I completely accept. Please don't talk about the thing you're about to talk about. <laughs> that's a, it's a good segue to another trade that the Indians made this offseason merit. Uh, Yandy Diaz is now in Tampa Bay, crushing the baseball every single no. freaking direction. I was just looking um, at his numbers yesterday. Oh my god, <laughs> he's hitting the ball so much and so far. Oh my god, it hurts. It hurts a little bit. It hurts a lot. Launch of it. angle can um, kiss my ass. Apparently, <laughs> but Jesus Christ, yeah, his launch angle is down compared to last year overall, and he's still just crushing the ball out of the park. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and then I see a highlight of him hitting a ball over Jackie Bradley Jr. Like that's incredible. That's an that's an incredible feat because that's the like one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball, and he hit it so far, so hard, it it outran Jackie Bradley Jr. Oh, it sucks so much, man. Oh, I mean, I like hitting... Jake Bowers. I want that to always be emphasized that this is not an anti Jake Bowers thing. No, it's I think just, he's going to be all... pretty solid. He's younger, but good lord, I miss Yandy Diaz already. We all loved Yandy Diaz, and the trade continues to make no sense. <laughs> I mean, again, I I I. I pay more attention to Jake Bowers at bats than I do almost any other at bat when I watch games because I'm just obvious. I want him to be good so badly. And I think there's things happening there. He's walking a decent amount. He's still driving the ball pretty hard. Again, he's just 23 years old. I, my, my biggest worry was, I think it was on Sunday. He was batting ninth and I'm like, no, he's batting ninth. No, that means he's almost on his way out because in video <laughs> games, if you're batting ninth then you get sent down to triple A, no. So I was very worried about that, but I, th- yeah, I don't think they're going to send him down obviously, but still it's just, it's very sad that he isn't good now because Yandy Diaz is annihilating the ball in every direction. Yeah. And part of that trade um, was also bringing Carlos Santana back and sending Edmund and Cresciona. That feels, that feels pretty good. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. I'm happy about that. Yeah. 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 That makes there's me there's no, I don't know how much of an explanation that needs. Carlos Santana's back. That makes me happy. He's hitting really yeah. well. That makes me happy. Um, he he doesn't have the power as much anymore, but he's going the other way, which I'm also happy with. Like, get more hits, get on base. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's, I mean, power is good, but if he can power. trade like ten home runs for however many more just base hits he's getting, I'm I'm okay with that. No, I mean which I agree with you. He's, um, that's I what I don't get. Did. Am I missing something about baseball analysis here? Like, why is it that that there's people that like hate the fact that? You turn into like a slap hitter compared to just hitting 10, 11 more home runs. Like that's, I don't know. I think the math is in your favor sometimes, but I mean, I I see what you're saying, but the power is kind of. Right. The power is great, obviously, but if you, right. Yeah. So I don't know. Either way, I like um, Carlos Santana. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. And we all like him. He's a fan favorite. I I just, he he definitely plays a good role on the team. I think everyone was hitting better. He should definitely be hitting higher in the lineup. I, I always like the idea of lead off Carlos Santana. I think even now, I think now today it makes more sense than ever because he's still a good fastball hitter. Maybe he, he could pop a couple early home runs. And then if you can bat him first, then all of a sudden you're batting Leonis Martin, you know, seventh or eighth or something. And that, that the lineup, it seems longer almost that way. And per, per, I mean, I just, I trust uh, Santana's ability to get on base a little more than Leonis Martin's at this point because, you know, track record, obviously. So. Also, Lenos Martin's walk rate has kind of tanked a little bit in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I mean, are we still are we still high on that man? Is he still doing good? Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm still good with it. Um, strikeout rates climbed a little bit, walk rates kind of tanked a little bit, but you know, again, it's um, April 29th as we write this. So you know, a couple two walk days, and all of a sudden he's back back in the saddle, baby. So that's all. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I never thought he'd be permanently the best hitter on the team, basically, which is what he was <laughs> for a little bit. Right. So I guess it's it's just fair that he's just kind of okay now. 
the power is cool too. I, I think I think the fact that the whole launch, his committing to hitting more fly balls and stuff like that, really is paying off. How it pays off, and like if he gives him you know twenty five home runs with a WRC plus somewhere north of a hundred, cool. You know, I think I, I'm totally fine with that. I don't think he should be leading off or batting second, but I'm totally fine with that. I think that's a sixth or seventh kind of a guy. And then Santana can bet first. Yeah, and then so the last transaction is obviously the most important one is uh, Eric Gonzalez for. Max Maroff and um, Jordan Luplo, which my feelings on that are basically. Get out of here. (laughs) The show's over. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we were talking about Leonis Martin. I went out and grabbed a slide whistle and put it in my little soundboard that I got on Zencaster. (laughs) Must be nice. Must be nice to be running the show on Zencaster. (laughs) That's about how I feel about this trade, Merritt. It's, I don't care. It's dumb. No, it's a a trash trade. I mean, whatever. I don't think anyone was sitting here thinking, "Oh, we're gonna get us, we're gonna rob them of a future super duper star." I, I kind of thought they'd get something out of Jordan Luplo. I guess they've got a right-handed bat, which they need. But I mean, he's still so he's only twenty-five. I he he's always done the same exact thing all the time, forever. Go down to AAA, mash, come up, and not mash. So maybe it's just because he's only twenty-five and needs to grow up a little bit. They're not gonna dump him anytime soon. He's gonna be on the Indians. We're gonna be hearing his name for a couple of years now. That's at least a positive of some kind, I guess. They they might get that little burst of very good years the players have, you know, when they start peaking and stuff out of him. So and they at least got a a fairly equal Max Maroff or Eric Gonzalez. I don't think Gonzalez is that much better than Maroff. So no, definitely no. I I, I mean they still have a utility player out of him. Eric Gonzalez isn't blowing. You know, he's not blowing the doors off down in uh, Pittsburgh, is he? I don't think so. No, I think he's injured. He's now. actually hurt, as a matter of right. fact. So <laughs> yeah, if anything, he's he's being out-hit by Max Maroff. I mean, one of the, the more surprising news stories this week, I think, is if you remember when Mike Clevenger was injured, it sounded like the man basically died, like his back. Yeah, yeah they, they, they threw him in the, <laughs> threw him in the lake. Yep, that's yeah, it. Yeah, right, Terry Francona well, just snapped his back in half, and he was done. It was over. Done with that guy. New pitcher, please. <laughs> I mean, six to eight weeks was the initial. He's not going to touch a baseball. Um, and now it sounds like he's already, he's touching baseballs, Merritt. Um, he's going to be throwing, he's going to be playing catch relatively soon. And if that goes well, he might be starting a throwing program soon and getting back to that. Uh, Mandy Bell, in a, in a Q&A on Indians.com, she basically said that it's 100% we'll see him before the All-Star break, which is really encouraging. That's good. Um, yeah, the early, earliest he can come back is June 6th. Um, it's likely he'll be back before June or July 11th or blah, July 8th to 10th when the All-Star game is. So, I mean, that's really good. I don't I don't know. He, he also did a Q&A with The Athletic today, which is kind of cool that um, it sounds like Clevenger, the way he put it, he just felt like a caged animal because he just can't do anything and be out there compete. He's traveling with the team constantly because he doesn't want to lose the feeling of, like, have to readjust to all that on his way back, mm-hmm. which I think is really forward thinking of him. He doesn't want to just sit on the couch at home. But I don't know. He he also said he wants to hit 100 when he comes back, which maybe chill out there a little bit, Clev. But are, are you worried at all that maybe he's rushing back or is, is this just good that he wants to be back so bad and he's he's doing better than everybody thought he would do? I've always been confused by the phrase, I'm working very hard to heal. I mean, it's just the idea, like, healing <laughs> is, by its very nature, not doing the thing that hurt you, because, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, obviously there's... Well, I guess there's, like, specific rehab. Physical therapy, but, but, like, yeah. more than anything, it's making sure you're not doing additional damage. So, I don't know what he's doing, or what he isn't doing, or what have you, but I I would like him back. I don't think... It's a vital need of the Indians to have him back. I'd rather have him back a little bit later and, and fully healthy than sooner and at 80% because, like, just now I'm looking at, like, you know, like the 
the Twins' numbers. Yeah, they're yeah they're beating the doors off offensively, but they're pitching like crap. So um, it's hard to you know figure out which way that's going. So I mean, they're they're gonna be this year as a whole might be a bit more of a dogfight, but who knows? So I, I I guess overall, I just I'd rather him be healthy fully than come back and hurt himself again because he is important to the team. You know, in the in the long run, like September, and more importantly, October. We saw what happened last year when when one of their best pitchers was on the shelf into October, and then Bauer was able to have almost no impact on the game as a whole uh, once they were facing the Astros. I mean, I think it would have mattered anyway. The Astros were a buzzsaw. So, are we in danger know, I, of actually needing Clevenger sooner than we thought? I mean, no. how afraid of you are the Twins yet? Are you are you there yet at all, or still not at all? I don't think I'm that worried about them. Again, the pitching just isn't there. Barrios is really good. After that, it's uh, their bullpen is has some very good arms. I mean, that offense is real though. That's the offense be a thing that like, is pretty legit looking. Yes, maybe I don't know if I trust a lot of these numbers. I mean, Max Kepler might have turned into a super uh, borderline superstar. Maybe not. I don't know. But that could be a hot start. Nelson Cruz is 38. He's still Nelson Cruz, but he's still 38. Who the hell is Mitch Carver? Uh, I, 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 Eddie Rosario is legit. Eddie, Eddie Rosario is a bit of a legit player, but again, he's, oh, same thing with Jorge Polanco. So these guys are definitely good. I don't think they're this good. So I definitely think they're, what they're doing offensively is less real than what the Indians are doing in the pitching staff. If that Ooh, makes that's sense. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's so, a good way to put it. yeah, I, I, I think the Indians will get better offensively. And the Twins are going to get a lot back. better pitching. And I don't, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I mean, yes, they have a good bullpen, but I guess if they wanted, they could grind the bullpen into dust and then just have nothing by August, and then the Indians can just kind of outpace them. Because that's the thing, and I've, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times, the conflict of the Indians is perfect for the regular season because it's just this this constant march. You know what I mean? Especially now with Bieber and, and once Clevenger comes back, it's just it's a constant march of top 15 or 20 pitchers or whatever you want to call it that you just... It just beats you to death over time. It's just it's punching a, a you know a brick wall constantly forever. Eventually it'll crack and eventually you'll punch through. It's 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 designed to win the the long season. Whether that's the right contract for October is another story, but much more so than what the the Twins have put together at this point. I think it's it's a, more of a real thing, and that's why that's why why they're predicted to win the, the win the division and all this stuff too. So. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Tyke Green of Momentum. Stick around. And welcome back to Let's Talk Tribe. We're joined now by Tyke Green. Co-founder, producer, director, just about everything behind the scenes for Momentum, um, which he is a, is a product he started with Trevor Bauer. Uh, Tyke Green, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, this is great. Love what you guys are doing. Um, so I wanted to start with with I just obviously Momentum is just how it how did it start? How did it come about? I know for us, Let's Go Tribe is just kind of a thing we saw pop up on Twitter, like Hey, Trevor Bauer is doing these behind the scenes things and. It's kind of neat to see. So, what was the the story of how that started? Um, was it was it kind of you wanted to to find a way to tell stories about players, or was it Trevor coming to you and just finding somebody who could do great video work to make things about players? Or how did it all start? Yeah, so it's kind of a combination of both. So, let's see, 2017 spring training, I was down in Arizona, kind of just hanging out with Trevor, 
And it was at this time that I left driveline baseball. And for those that may not know, driveline baseball is where Trevor Bauer uh, trains at during the off season. And I worked as the head of content there, uh, producing videos and doing all the marketing for them. But I just recently left to go freelance full time. And I was down in Arizona, actually helping out Trevor with his charity campaign at the time. And we were on a car ride to Sedona. And it was at this time that Trevor was dealing with a bunch of media backlash for God knows what, something. And he was just getting so fed up with traditional media kind of controlling his message. And so he was kind of rambling on about, man, there's got to be a way for me to control my message. Like there's so much power in traditional media. If they don't like a certain player, they can kind of spin a story however they want. And they kind of, and people just see it as that. So there's not much support for players. So Trevor and I kind of hashed the idea in that car ride that why don't we just do it ourselves? Like I have a camera, he <laughs> has a problem. Maybe we can do something together and try to, you know, give players at least some support and at least an outlet to share their message and their side of things. So that's kind of how it began through that. And over that year is a lot of planning, how are we going to execute, who we're going to get, what kind of message that we want to bring to the forefront, a lot of research and who's doing this in this industry. Is there anybody doing it in baseball? And we kind of came up with not many people are doing it for baseball. There's a lot of, there's a few people doing it for uh, a variety of sports. Uh, Player Tribune is obviously doing it for uh, like most sports and there's uninterrupted LeBron's company that are doing it for like primarily basketball and football, but a player-focused baseball outlet, we didn't see anything out there, So, um, which was a good thing for us, obviously, but there wasn't much of a track record. So we kind of planned out how we wanted to proceed with it, which is honestly just trying to be as authentic as possible and really pushing for players on being as open as possible. And we're here for you. You can say whatever you want. Obviously, Trevor's behind it. So say whatever you want and we'll clean it up and kind of work with you as like almost like an executive producer. Every time that we do content with a player, we work with them from like the script all the way up until the final product, giving them the edits back and forth so they can kind of look at it, give their notes, just so they feel as much of the process as possible. And I feel like that gives a more trusting relationship between both us and uh, the athlete that's involved. So that's kind of uh, where the origins work. So I'm sort of like, I'd assume that most of us who are blogging like on Let's Go Tribe and other places are kind of like way outside of that <clears throat> that sphere. So how does that work like normal? Like you said, you work with the players from beginning to end. Is it usually they just do the interview and then it's cut up without their input and then it's just sort of put out whichever way right. that place wants it to look? Exactly. So much like, uh, like a, a post-game interview, players usually just give the interview and then they'll wait to hopefully hear about it like hopefully it was a good way of portraying what they said uh, during the interview and in some article. Um, so that's why a lot of players give these canned answers because they're afraid to actually speak because they may feel the, the reporter might pull a quote and then post something that may be completely out of context. So that's why a lot of players are scared to talk to the media. Whereas what we're trying to do is you can say, we want you to say whatever you want and we'll work alongside you throughout the process. And if you are only comfortable posting it, um, online, then we'll post it. But it's up to the player's final AOK to go ahead and post it. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of weird for myself that players 
are almost working against media. Whereas I feel like, you know, media wants the best story and players want to be portrayed in the best light. So why not work together? But I'm not sure why it's come to this point, but yeah, um, it seems to be a problem that shouldn't be there, but I mean, that's why we're alive. <laughs> that's why we're even gaining any kind of traction is because there is that problem of uh, poor media representation. What has the kind of response been from any kind of, whether official in terms of, you know, the Indians themselves, MLB, media, guys who are in the media, you know, you're, you're more traditional media types. Has, have you guys gotten any, whether pushback or praise, you know, kind of showing that that inside baseball sort of thing that, the, that baseball as a whole seems to suffer from suffer at doing so well, kind of humanizing the players and drawing the fans into the the background like that. How, what kind of response have you seen from I don't know really any any venue that, that you're almost subverting in, in by doing this? Yeah, we've actually received a ton of good feedback. We were kind of weary on how people would view us in terms of oh they're like undercutting us or they're kind of removing these parts, but MLB has been super supportive. Uh, the Players Association has been super supportive from day one. They've been putting us in contacts with uh, what players may need some extra publicity or brands that may want to work with us. Um, it's been super helpful. I'm honestly beyond what I thought was even possible. Uh, as soon as we posted a couple of videos, the PA reached, reached out saying, this is amazing. We love player-driven content in any way, shape, or form. We'd love to just follow you players that we think would be a good fit. MLB was the exact same way. When the athletic article came out, um, there's a ton of, uh, uh, obviously, publicity around that. And the MLB reached out saying, like, we love what you guys are doing. Player-driven content is what we want. You know, the game is, you know, suffering from a lack of exposure. And not that it's MLB's fault or really anybody's fault necessarily i don't think anybody's to blame but i think the way to fix it is one athletes being more open and what's a better way to do that than a player driven company um producing player driven content so it's been super supportive i've honestly we wouldn't really be exactly where we are if it wasn't for that kind of support from the player association and the mlb what's um what is your favorite type of video you guys have kind of kind of got a couple different not themes, but styles of videos. Like you have the the sitting down to dinner with Nolan Arenado videos, uh, the the ones during spring training where Trevor is talking with um, Jose Barrios. Uh, my favorites are the ones where uh, Mike Clevenger tells hilarious stories about being homered off by uh, uh, Miguel Cabrera, for instance. Like, what is your what? Which ones have you found to be your personal favorite, and or I don't know, maybe even work the best, or maybe kind of capture the essence of what momentum wants to be. Yeah. So. I think probably my favorite was the Trevor Bauer documentary, just because I was so close to it and I filmed that over two years. I would say what probably is going to hit best and what we're trying to aim towards more is just player conversations and player stories. I think there's just so many stories within the league that aren't uh, heard or seen. Like Mike Clevenger against uh, Miguel Cabrera when Miguel Cabrera <laughs> called a shot against him. That's an incredible story. And of course, nobody knows about that. And there's so many other stories um, from around the league. And that's why we did these uh, that show that Nolan Leonardo was on, the Bauer Bites. You know, players talking to each other, like from their experiences playing against each other, growing up, locker room stories, minor league stories. There's just a lot of uncovered topics that baseball needs to hear. And I think that will give players more personality and 
things that people can attach themselves to. Um, kind of, uh, we posted a minute clip of Clev talking about, you know, his way into the league and how it was kind of difficult being himself in the locker room. And I think the more that we can push that, yeah, the more we can push the humanizing aspects of a player, I think one, fans are going to get more of a connection to players and players are going to be more comfortable just being themselves on camera and off camera. And that's ultimately going to make them a better player. What honestly, what Mike talked about was that, that he was, once he got more comfortable in the locker room, he became a better player on the field. And I think that's what everybody wants is uh, uh, those things. So it's been, uh, it's been good. I think uh, we have a lot of different formats, but I think the direction is really trying to humanize athletes, whether that's through conversations, um, whether that's through documentaries, anything that we can get a real behind the scenes feel, uh, we're just going to attack it that way. One of my favorite things about him so far, especially the the Bauer bites, and and I want to emphasize this as a compliment, is that Trevor Bauer is like clearly not a professional interviewer or even speaker. He just seems like a guy talking to another guy about baseball, and it's, that's like a really cool part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, is the goal always just to basically have it be Trevor Bauer interviewing people or like a him led thing, or do you eventually want it to be like any player could just interview any player um, if they have a, a convenient way to do it going forward? Yeah, I mean, the eventual goal is that people view it as momentum rather than Trevor's company. Obviously, in the interim, it's Trevor's kind of friends and people that he knows that we're bringing on. But eventually, we love it for Clev to have his own show, Coffee with Clev, for an example. I've just thrown out an idea. Coffee with Clev, uh, where he interviews guys over coffee and they talk about life and whatever Clev wants to talk about. Um, Maybe we have some travel show where we go to different countries and we have um, ambassadors that we reach out to and they kind of take us through their country. And obviously Trevor's not a part of that, but we really want it to be a place where players can come up with their own ideas or we pitch an idea to a player like, Hey, this is your country. How do you want to portray your country and where you come from? And they work alongside us and, you know, produce that story. So we really just want to be there for the players on whatever issues, whatever they want to do. We want to be that outlet for them. You have an idea, we have the necessary means to make that idea happen. So that's kind of where the eventual goal is, is we're just a player outlet um, to produce content and ideas that they want to have seen out in the world. Is there, um, I, I asked earlier, obviously, about a response from uh, you know traditional media types. Is there any you know, long-term plan to kind of get drawn into some umbrella or other, or do you really want to kind of keep this kind of an outsider uh, you know, like it, not so much informal, but basically like an outsider, almost kind of guerrilla video sort of a thing. Yeah, I think in at least, I mean, it's tough to say what five years or even three years from now or even a year from now looks like, but I would say we want to keep it third party as possible just because I think to solve the problem of this MLB marketing problem, I just don't think MLB can ever really solve it internally just because it's MLB. It's like my dad trying to say some like slang and trying to fit in with the cool kids. Like I just don't think people will respond uh, to that. Not to say that MLB is doing a bad job right now. I think they're actually doing a great job pushing out social media content and a lot of these like that Vlad Guerrero Jr. story that they pushed out. That was great. But I think it truly takes a third party that doesn't have like a bias. They can kind of just go and do their thing rather than having like 
all these different people kind of over the shoulder of MLB. They have different sponsors and uh, different things they have to uh, different agendas. So I think for now we'd love to just go our, like trailblaze our way and be a third party and kind of just be as organic as a source as possible. Um, now, whether that develops into a larger umbrella, I loved it. Like there's, I don't think we see a problem in doing like a deal with MLB or MLBPA or any other kind of MLB uh, affiliated kind of sponsor video or something like that. But in the interim, I think uh, the goal is just to really just be our own thing and trailblaze and kind of what you're saying, just push content as quick as we can and not as authentic as possible. Now, obviously you don't have to include anything that a, that a player didn't want to mention, but has there ever been anything that you haven't, that either didn't get, included in that got cut at some point or you just didn't have a camera out in time to capture when you were out recording the, the documentaries or even the the interview series that you can recall let's see is there anything to recall uh so actually during these bower bites um i'm sure we could talk about this yes <laughs> um during these <laughs> during these bower bites i'm telling you we just want to be as authentic as possible so that, that you know that i have to hold myself accountable so during these Bauer Bites, there actually have been quite a few conversations about the state of the player union and what that looks like. Oh, and obviously, um, that's a topic that players are talking about. Now, I can't discuss the, the intimate moments of what that looks like, but um, given just how the, the pushback between Players Association and MLB, a lot of players are talking about that. They're not really pushing that aside. They're actually really confronting that and um, that was a topic with almost everybody that we interviewed. We interviewed 12 different guests and they were very adamant about, you know, where's baseball going and all those intricacies within uh, their union. So that was really interesting. I, I don't know. I didn't know what I thought players would do, but it was really interesting to see players taking a really mature stance and uh, confronting these issues with like another player across the table. So that was probably the most interesting piece that I can't, we can't push out there, but it was interesting to be uh, kind of a fly on the wall to hear those conversations. Uh, on those Bauer bites, I just, I have to know everything about the setting because I'm just watching it. It's, I don't know. It's I don't, strange. Isn't the right word, but it's just like, whose house is that? Why is that table so big? What are you eating? And who cooked, I guess, are all the questions I, I, I'd like some answers to that. Yeah, that one guy just floats no. out of the background sometimes. That and table food is so big. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> it is it is so large. So it's actually a funny story how we even came across this enormous house. <laughs> so at, at at spring training, we were wanting to do this uh, this Bauer Bites show. We thought of this idea, I don't know, two or three weeks before uh, <laughs> spring training started. So twelve guests in. I don't know. We have basically like three weeks to do it. We didn't even have a place to do it. We were thinking about running out like a steakhouse, but like the logistical aspects of finding a schedule that fit the steakhouse and then the other player schedule and the Trevor schedule. That was like three different schedules that we were trying to mesh together. So by some content God luck, we went to a, I guess like an athlete mixer party. And it was at this mansion where we filmed that. And Trevor met the owner of this mansion. And after they talked for about an hour or so. And on the dr drive home, we were kind of talking about, oh, where were we going to film 
the Bauer Bites. And uh, Trevor thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to reach out to this guy that has this mansion. He has, maybe he'll do it. So he reached out and the guy was like, yeah, this house is huge. You guys are more than welcome to shoot here. So that was uh, how we found that spot. And he showed us this enormous table and it was their dining room table. And it was kind of away from uh, where they were in the house. So it was kind of like probably the best case scenario, especially with like the, the doors in the background, the, uh, the chef could bring in the plates without going through the camera stuff that was um, behind the table. So it was kind of the best case scenario for that reason. Uh, we had a caterer in the area. Uh, it's called Carefree Catering. Shout out. It was insanely good food. Yeah, nice plug. You got it. Uh, help out the local people. Uh, yeah, we literally just, I don't know, sent out 20 inquiries saying like, hey, we have this talk show. It's really last minute. Would you be down to be doing 12 different episodes with a very loose schedule on your availability? But would you be down to do it? And we found a guy and he was great. Had a different menu every night. It was a four course meal. We added in a wine flight. I think like two or three athletes actually took the wine, but we just thought we'd offer it up uh, for, yeah, just to be nice. And uh, yeah, it went great. Uh, I think some of the athletes may or may not have known that it was going to be like a full course meal, but uh, a lot of athletes actually liked the food. It was that uh, they responded pretty well to it. So yeah. And the, the table being that long, I, <laughs> I am, I honestly wish I had a better answer for you, but is some expensive table that they've flown in, I'm sure. So it's just more for the sitting. Yeah. It was a massive table. You should see like the length of it. You saw the width, but the length of it is just massive. It could probably seat like 15, 20 people. So is there anything um, that MLB is doing, obviously besides just doing like like the Vlad thing you said? Um, I know you mentioned on Twitter before about giving people like Andre Knott and on the sidelines just higher quality cameras to record video in the moments. Is there anything small you wish they were doing that they could do to promote their players that they're, they're not really doing right now? Hmm. What is it? I think MLB's initiative of basically embedding young videographers has been massive um those like those home runs that you can see with like the dslr cameras mixed in with the uh, home run highlights from the regular broadcast camera i think is massive gives a super organic uh close to the actual moment because it can be i think mlb could potentially start using more mic'd up stuff getting players to talk a little bit more um trying to see what else i think if they can do more segments like around maybe like issues that players are seeing um having players try to be more open i think would be helpful i think there's a major problem with mlb internally in terms of there's a a decent amount of people within mlb that are for the future of the game bat flipping um you know, finish like not finishing in a fielder's position after throwing, you know, 104, all those types of things. And then there's a separate half that were either part of the game 10 or 15 years ago that are now broadcasters, not going to name any names, <laughs> that continually bash the game and talk about the good old days and how we played it this way and how their uh, bat flipping isn't 
the right way to play baseball and we play it we play it this way and that's just not the baseball who way. could you be talking and about my god there's no this <laughs> yeah i don't know you know very general <laughs> statement and it's just so it's so strange to me there's no other sport that does that like when lebron dunks i i don't see any announcer saying ah you know it's too it's, more, it's a celebration you know, anything, day, Dennis yeah. Rodman. yeah so they're they go nuts but when uh uh, Tim Anderson does a bat flip. You have one broadcast that's all for it. Like this is exact. Like this is awesome. You celebrate the way you want to. You just hit a tank to win the game. And there's the other side that's like, oh, he deserves to wear one of the ribs, and you know that's not how you play this game. And that's that's the issue. Is <laughs> there the MLB can't be unified on one area. It's you're getting bits and pieces from different areas. And I think the way to help the game is to promote it really and there's a large majority of people that don't promote the game which is just just bizarre to me and if they can get unified i think that would help a lot it seems super simple like oh mob has a marketing problem it would make sense to promote the game instead of bashing it but uh clearly uh, they're not doing that so i think the biggest concern is fixing that issue of uh, two different viewpoints within the MLB internal team. So Taiki, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no um, problem. <laughs> let us know um, where we can find your work. Obviously watch momentum on YouTube, but is there anywhere else we can find uh, people can find you or your work that you do online? Yeah. I mean, obviously our socials are at watch underscore momentum for Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram. We're on there. We, hopefully plan on doing larger format content for uh, distrib- distributors, whether that's like a Facebook watch, Hulu, Netflix. Um, but for now, we're just trying to get our footprint out there for uh, fans to see that we are trying to be the main source for uh, player-driven behind-the-scenes content. So, yeah, our plan kind of for this season is to uh, – basically go and see different players from around the league and just cover their stories like tim anderson we'd love to do stuff with him we're in talks with him about obviously uh his strong stance with the new game and bat flipping and you know being charismatic which is great we're all for that so um anything that is for the future of baseball we're all on board and we're down to go wherever players are and film it and record it and produce it so yeah look for us on those types of things and this off season should be good we'll have a decent amount of documentaries coming out and some new tv show or not tv shows some new web series shows so should be a should be a good time all right and that's going to do it for us this week i want to thank taiki green for coming on and talking to us about momentum and his project with trevor bauer that he's doing and the, the future of it and the future of broadcasting and baseball in general i want to thank everybody listening wherever you wherever you get your favorite podcast don't forget to subscribe Leave us a review, any kind of five. If you want to leave us five stars, that's fine. Whatever you have, stars. Review, leave us leave us a nice comment. Um, comment on Let's Go Try Post. Just share the Twitter uh, post about the podcast if you want. Anything to help us keep going, it all helps every little bit. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace.